this message uh, theme called Red, uh, taking the words of Jesus and applying them to our life. And uh, I've been really excited. Matter of fact, when I realized that we only had only had about three more Sundays left, I'm like, man, we should have done this like longer. So we may bring this back around, maybe in the summer or something. That'd be cool. Uh, just taking those words of Jesus and really applying them to our life. And so I want to. I want to. Uh, what's great about this is I get to pick my favorite ones. This is fun. I get to pick my favorite ones, and this is one of my favorite sayings of Jesus, and it's found in John chapter five. Verse number one, we're going to read nine verses of scripture, and uh, then we'll be referring back to it as we go along. Y'all ready? All right. Now, last week, nine o'clock was more involved than 11 o'clock, and I told them so. I let them know. All right, so today, let's keep that trend going, okay? Let's be anointed listeners. Let's get on the edge of our seat. Let's take notes. If you feel like amen and you can do that, we are that kind of church, all right? Red series. John chapter 5, verse number 1. Sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festivals. I love Jesus was always showing up at parties, man. Now there is in Jerusalem near the Sheep Gate a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethesda, and which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. And here, a great number of disabled people used to lie. The blind the lame, the paralyzed. Verse 5, one who was there and had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, here are red words, do you want to get well? Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I am trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. And Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your mat, and walk. And at once, the King James says, immediately, the man was cured, picked up his mat, and walked. I really shouldn't even have to preach a sermon, should I? Just that, that scripture in itself has enough power and authority to help us get out of our stuck situations. Look at your neighbor and say, are you stuck in a situation? Some of y'all's neck was stuck because you didn't even look at your neighbor. Come on, look at your neighbor. Say, are you stuck in a situation? Then listen closely. We're going to help you move out of it today. Here's what I believe. I believe this is one of those messages that has a long life on it. I believe that we will hear people talking about this message for years down the road. Uh, we, got, we got people to this day that say, I just happened on your website, and there was a message there from three years ago that spoke to my life. As I was praying this morning, I felt like this is going to be one of those messages, and we're right here live getting ready to live it out and listen to it out. The Pool of Bethesda uh, was, was, a, was a remarkable place, and it's where, as we read, uh, it's where sick people would come gather around it, uh, and we're going to discuss that in just a moment, uh, but the name Bethesda literally means the house of mercy, so when they called it the pool of Bethesda, it was like saying that's the pool of mercy, where God's going to have mercy on you. In those days, if you were sick, for many people, it changed everything. With health care the way we have it now, you can have a certain diagnosis and those days, it was a death sentence, or it, was, it meant instant poverty for you. Whereas these days, 
most of the time we can have something worked on and we can take the right thing and we can get... Not then. And so when people got sick or paralyzed or they were lame or blind, it was it. I mean, that, that was it. It was a bad deal. And so now you find this place called the Pool of Mercy and you show up and there's just people everywhere. The Bible says there was a great crowd of, of sick people laying all around this pool. And I want to get to that in just a moment. Why? The history of that pool. But out of all of these people, there was this one man that gets spotlight on him. And this guy that has been an invalid for 38 years. It doesn't say why. Uh, it doesn't. Some people believe he was lame. Some people believe he was paralyzed. Some people believe some type of sickness that came upon him that just made him immobile. Whatever it was, he was an invalid. He could not care for himself. And he had been this way for 38 years. Everybody say 38 years. That's a long time. So in the midst of all of this, Jesus walks up and he looks at this guy. And the first red letter that we find that we're pulling out today, he says to him, do you want to get well? Now remember, been this way for 38 years. Jesus walks up, doesn't introduce himself, doesn't sound the trumpet. Jesus the Messiah is now on the scene. Just walks up, walks up to the guy and goes, do you want to get well? Now, as I was reading this this week, I kept seeing that guy from the Hotel.com commercial, Captain Obvious, you know what I mean? That just asked the obvious questions. How many know what I'm talking about? Y'all, you know, it's Wednesday, Gary. I know, Janet. Y'all know that one? Yeah. It's almost like Jesus walks up with, as a Captain Obvious outfit on and goes, Hey, guy that's been sick for 38 years, would you like to get well? I believe that this is a question that if God walks up to us right now and asks us that question, Do you want to get well? Or do you want to get better? Or do you want to get whole? How many would raise your hand and say, Yes, me, right now. Come on, raise your hand. Do you, all of us want to be better people. We all want to be whole. We all want to get well because all of us have sickness. We have fragments. We have brokenness in our life, but we all want to get well. But what I've found is that most of us want to get well, but we're not willing to do what it takes to get well. We want to be whole, but we're not really willing to do what it takes to get whole. We want our marriages. We want our finances. We want our health. We want all that stuff to be better But most of us are not willing to do what it takes to get to that place. Or we may not even know what it takes. So today, we're going to help with that. So I want to talk today about some steps that are going to help us get better, get whole, get well. And the first one is, if you're taking notes, write it down. And my notes, it's really big, all caps, and highlighted in pink. So you can do that if you'd like to, okay? Number one, get up. Write it down. Get up. Now, can you imagine the disciples as they're following Jesus? Now, you got to understand the history of this. This is in just John. Don't take all the other Gospels into account right now. Just in John, Jesus has already turned the water to wine. He's already cleared the temple. And the Bible says that after he cleared the temple, then he healed all the sick that were there. Okay, so he's already done that. Uh, The Bible says at the Passover feast, many people believed in him because of the miracles that he performed. He's already healed a nobleman's son. The nobleman asked Jesus to heal him and he didn't go to his house. He just said, yeah, he's healed. And so 
this stuff, there's a buzz going on. People are starting to hear about Jesus. They're believing in this Jesus of Nazareth. There's something about him. Can you imagine being one of the disciples that's living and eating and breathing with him? You've just come off of this whole thing of just like this miracle spree. Jesus has just healed people and set people free and turning water to wine and not nasty wine, like good wine, you know? Like, like he's doing this kind of stuff. And so now, here's the disciples with Jesus. Picture it with me. And all he rounds the corner to the pool of Bethesda, and there's just sick people everywhere. Can you imagine the disciples like, oh, it's about to go down now. It is about to happen. People are going to go crazy. They're going to be healed and set free. And all of a sudden, Jesus just spotlights this one cat and walks right up to him and says to him, do you want to get well? And they're like, oh, it's about to happen now. Come on. What is he going to say? I can't wait to see. This is going to be amazing. What great words are going to come out of his mouth. You want to get well? And what does he say to him? Get up. And can you imagine the disciples going, wait, 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 wait. No mud involved at all? Like, you know, he put mud in the guy's eye. Just slather mud all over him, Jesus. Do something crazy. He just said, no. Just get up. No massage. No therapy. No prescription. No, not even, here, let me help you up. Just get Now, I'm not very smart, but thank God I have a wife and sons that are very smart. And so I knew there was something to this, and I couldn't figure out what it was. And so I went and asked Kristen, and she couldn't remember. I went and asked Evan, and he could vaguely remember. Finally, I had to go out and ask Davis, who was shooting basketball. Hey, D-Man, I need you to help me with this. When Jesus looks at the man and says, get up, what is the subject of that? And he said, well, it's an understood you. There's an understood subject in that. And the understood subject is you. Now, I know that you and I want to put all the work on Jesus when it comes to our healing and our salvation and our deliverance. But there is an understood you in the healing process. If you take you out of the healing process, the process doesn't happen. Thank you, Davis, for that incredible, incredible. He speaks the word. He declares it. I love this. Jesus didn't ask him. Remember, he asked him, do you want to get well? But he didn't ask him to get up. He just told him. He spoke the word. He declared it. Get up. So he speaks the word. He brings the healing. We know that, right? And I'm going to tell you right now, if there's ever anybody in your life that says they can heal you, they're wrong. Look at me. They can't. They, have no, they, don't, have, they don't have it. Now, will Jesus use people to lay hands on and pray for and people be healed? Yes. But nobody heals you but Jesus. How much water you put on yourself. How many ribbons you rub all over you. It doesn't matter. That person cannot heal you. Only Jesus Christ can heal. So he speaks the word. He brings the healing. But we have to obey it. That is our part in the process. That is our responsibility. Just to get up. 
And yet, so many of us don't. We just sit there, still sitting in the same situation, like Kristen said, stuck in that situation, wondering why. Now, as I'm speaking this today, I want you to highlight those areas in your life that you feel stuck in. Those areas. It may be multiple, or it may be just one that's really glaring, that you just feel stuck in. The way you get unstuck is, number one, you just get up. Get up. Before we get to the next one, though, I want to talk about some things that it takes for us to get up. Because that is easier said than done, right? Oh, come on. Pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Dust yourself off. You know, I remember I used to go tell my dad. I'm like, Dad, my elbow elbow hurts when I do that. He said, well, don't do that. (laughs) Isn't it just much easier just to tell people to get up, but then in our own life it's not as easy, right? So I want to take a little time before we get to the next, the next two. Uh, I want to really talk about what it takes for us to get up. Write this down. The first thing it takes is trusting Jesus. Remember, this fellow probably does not even know who Jesus is. He's just laying there for 38 years, and here comes this guy rolling up. And again, no, bah, 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 not dressed all in white with a halo on his head. Just this guy looking like any other guy that walks up, just rolls up to him and says, hey, you want to be well? Out of nowhere. I think sometimes we expect it to happen in a way that we're going to know it's God. We want trumpets and clouds parting and we want all these confirmations when a lot of times it's just simple as God just saying, hey, you want to be well? Then get up. And yet, for, for most of us, it's a lack of faith that stops us from getting up. There are two types of lack of faith, if you want to write this down. The first lack of faith comes from ignorance. Folks that just don't know. And when I say ignorance, I'm not talking about like the Mississippi, you ignorant. I ain't talking about that. It's not saying you're stupid. The word ignorance literally means you just don't know. So there's a, a lack of faith because some people just don't know. You know, Romans 10, 17 says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So That's why preaching is so important. The Word of God is so important because the Word of God allows you to hear His voice and then faith begins to happen in your life. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. It's also why you need to share your testimony with people. Don't just hand them an Easter egg looking card. You need to be telling them what Jesus did in your life and what the community of being in church with other people has done in your life. That brings faith. They don't know until you tell them. Speak that word out. So ignorance. And then the second type of lack of faith is unbelief. These are the people that do know. The word unbelief literally means someone that has believed, but they don't believe anymore. In Nashville, you don't find a lot of unchurched people. You find a lot of de-churched people. People that church has unfollowed them. Or they have unfollowed church. They've been in it, been involved in it, but somehow they lost that faith. And it's because they were disappointed, they got hurt. This is where bitterness, this is where frustration comes in. So there's the two types of lack of faith, ignorance and unbelief. You always need to understand who you're dealing with when you're dealing with people that are unbelievers. Why are they unbelievers? Could it be because they just don't know? Or could it be because they have said, I'm not doing this thing anymore, you know? It's like they say that a cat that sits on a hot stove won't sit on another hot stove. But it won't sit on a cold stove either. Think through that one. You get it? Because it got burned. It doesn't know if that thing is hot. People that have been hurt by church 
may go to another church that's not going to hurt them, but they don't know that. Because they automatically put that everything, that's a different type of unbeliever. And so we have to understand. So this is what Jesus walks up to, to this guy that has been this way for 38 years. 38 years. And so Jesus is dealing with some unbelief. Let me tell you what I believe, though. I believe that trust, everybody say trust. trust. I believe that trust is faith in its most potent form. Because trust has action accompanied with it. So let me say that again. I believe that trust is the most potent and powerful form of faith. Because you're not just saying, I believe. You're saying, I believe so much that I'm willing to get up from where I am just because you told me so. And once you take that step, that's what turns your faith into action. Number one, trust Jesus. Is How do I get up? Number two, stop trusting anything but Jesus. Number one, trust Jesus. Number two, just as important, stop trusting anybody but Jesus or anything but Jesus. Now, I told you I'd give you some history on the pool of Bethesda. Let me do that right now. Now, when you're reading through John chapter 5 you'll see that the Bible talks about this pool of Bethesda and that there were sick people all around. There's different reasons for that. So I'm going I'm to put, put my teacher's outfit on here and just tell you real quick. So there's different views on the pool of Bethesda. So we know because of what the man says that the water was stirred up or the water bubbled up. Now there were some people that say an angel would come down at a certain time and touch the water, and the water begin to bubble up. You can find this in verse 4 of some translations. How many of you noticed that there was no verse 4 in our translation? Did you notice that? We went from chapter 3 to chapter to verse 3 to verse 5 in the translation that we wrote. And the reason for that is, in some of the later manuscripts, verse 4 is not included. It is in some manuscripts, but not in other manuscripts. And the reason is, is because some people believe that this actually happened, while others believe that it was just a legend, that when the water began to stir up, that people say, well, that's the angel coming and stirring the water up. Does that make sense? So you have one view that says, an angel of God is touching the water and it's stirring up. Other people just believe that there was a stirring that went on and that that was just a legend. There are some people believe that it was holy water because it was near the temple. And then another group of people that believed it was just natural healing waters like our mineral springs or salt water. Or it would just be natural and so people would come there for healing. Look, this, my point on this whole thing, it doesn't matter to me. Because either way, it wasn't working for this cat. 38 years. Whether it's minerals, salt, holy water, Bubbling water, angel coming down in Shekinah glory does not matter because it wasn't working for this guy. And you know why? Because he was trusting in the wrong thing. He was, he was either trusting that the angel was going to come down, he was trusting that this was going to happen or that was going to happen. Let me ask you something. Let me ask myself something. Have we been putting our faith in the wrong things? I know we say we put our faith in God, but when it really comes down to it, do you put your faith in the bank? Man, if that just loan will just go through, then I'm going to... Do you, do you put your faith in that, that 
12-step program? Are you putting your faith in that person? Am I speaking to anybody besides myself right now? Waiting for that situation to change? Hopefully that they'll do what they need to do or the stars will align or the numbers will be just right and that situation will change. Let me say something to you. Maybe it's time for us to change the situation by trusting in the one that can change the situation. I didn't say maybe it's time for you to change the situation because you and I have messed up more situations than we've made better, right? I'm saying maybe it's time, and I feel the presence of the Lord right now. Maybe it's time for you and I to stop trusting in someone or something to change our situation, trusting in ourselves to change our situation, and start trusting in the one, the only one, that has the power and the authority to actually change the situation. Old school, I'd have hit the pulpit, but it would just blown the thing up, I'm afraid. So, <laughs> Number one, trust Jesus. Number two, stop trusting anything but Jesus. Number three, X the excuses. Now, I've used that point before in my messages, and you'll hear me use that again, because it's just a good one. X the excuses. Just X them out. So Jesus rolls up to this guy. Hey, want to be well? The guy doesn't say yes, doesn't say no, just starts listing off excuses. He says, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. So the first excuse was, I ain't got nobody to help me. I ain't got nobody to help me. How many are waiting on someone to step in and help you? You talk about codependence. And we, we think codependence is people that are really in bad, bad shape. No, codependence is at any point that you're depending on someone to do something for you that only you can do or only Jesus can do. That's codependence. If you've got to make sure that, man, i just got to hear that guy preach on TV. If I can hear him, then everything's going to change. If I can get that person to lay hands on me. If I can get that person to give me a word. If that person would just come out with that brand new article. If I could just read that. See, that is a codependence. You don't need any of that stuff. You need Him and Him alone. Does God use other people? Yes, that's what He does. But if it's I got to have them or nothing, then there is something wrong with that. He said, I don't have anybody to help me. I'm dependent on other people. And yet the one that's asking Him, do you want to get well, is the only one that can help Him. And He's just giving Him excuse after excuse. I don't know about you, but that spoke to me this week as I studied I can hear him saying, hey, buddy, you want your life to be better? Yeah, I do. But, you know, I got this and I got that. I didn't ask you any of that stuff. I ask you, do you want to get well? The second thing he says, it's not the right time. Hold up, Jesus. Don't you understand? The water's not troubled yet. We've got to wait till the water's troubled. Look, y'all, any time the Messiah shows up, it's the right time. Doesn't matter what's going on. When Jesus showed up, it is the right time. And the third thing he says is, Everybody beats me to it. I ain't got nobody. It ain't the right time. And when it is the right time, everybody beats me. Look, I'm 38 years. For 38 years, I've been this way. And every time the water's troubled, I'm doing my best to get over there. And some kid with acne jumps in and gets his acne all healed. 
I'm like, kid, you need to mind your elders. I can't even move. Let me get in there. Do some clear seal, boy. Let me ask you something. Do you blame other people for you not getting what you want? Because you feel like they got it first? I'm going to tell you one of the best things you can do is just take a break from social media every once in a while. Maybe for a long while. I preach on it all the time because I think it's one of the most damaging things. It can be one of the greatest things, but it can be so damaging. You know why? Because here's what we do. We scroll and we compare. We scroll and we compare. That was my idea. I'm better than they are. I live better. I, I, I do that. I'm, what, what, what? You know, I was talking to, we have the, the young guys that come to our house on Wednesday nights, uh, the young gatherings, and it was really cool because this past week we were talking about that, and I said, one of the questions I ask is, why do bad things happen to good people? And we talked about that, and I said, but one probably even worse for all of us is, why do good things happen to bad people? How many of y'all, that bothers you a little bit more than the other one? Yeah, you're like looking at them. I know how you live. How'd you get the promotion? Listen to me. It is so easy for us to miss out on a miracle because we're resenting the miracle in other people's lives. One of our dear friends, Dr. David Remedio, says this a lot. He says, God will always test you for promotion by testing how you handle other people's promotion. When other people are blessed, how do you react? This is what this guy is saying. I can't do it because everybody else is beating me. Come on. That's how you get stuck. The way you get unstuck, though, is is, this is not about those people. This is about me and my health. This is about me and me stepping into wholeness and wellness. And one of my favorite things about this passage of Scripture is that Jesus just interrupts him right in the middle of his talking with a healing. Do you want to be well? Well, I ain't got no man, and I try to get up. Wait, what? (laughs) Just interrupted him. Let me say something to you. Even if our faith is not strong enough, that doesn't stop Jesus from doing his work. You can have unbelief in your heart. You can say, I want to believe, but I don't know that I believe. Don't ever let anybody tell you that your lack of faith is the reason you're not well. Because at some point, only Jesus can help you have enough faith. If you have faith in your faith, then that's all wrong. At some point, our faith has got to be in Him. Say, you know what? I don't even have it. That's what the man told Jesus. Lord, I believe, but I need you to help me with any unbelief that I have. And He can work even in those situations. So first of all, you got to get up. Secondly, He said, pick up your mat. Or way we would grow up, take up your bed. Let me tell you a couple reasons why. Number one, His bed was a sign of His sickness. I don't want you to get up. I want you to take up the thing that is a sign of your sickness. And in those days, in that culture, what you wore told people a lot about you. So if you were a beggar, then you had to wear a beggar's cloak. If you were were a leper, you had to wear a certain type of clothes. And this bed would have told everybody about him. That's a sick man. He's probably going to be begging for money. He's probably going to want somebody to put him in the pool to just stay away from him. Jesus says, I want you not just to get up, but I want you to take that bed that you're going to look at tomorrow and you're going to still feel like a sick person and everybody else is going to look at you that way. I want you to pick up that bed. Another reason he had him pick it up is because that bed is what would have held his spot at the pool. 
So in other words, when he would go home, somebody maybe carry him home. I'm going to leave my bed here, though. I'm going to leave my bed just in case something happens. So it could be that he gets healed, leaves, but there's still a bed there that's saving his spot at the pool. I don't know about y'all, but we do this thing. My family has done it all, all our life that I can remember. And then Chris and I just adopted as well. We have a thing called a Sunday bed. Y'all know what a Sunday bed is? That means in the morning you don't make it because you're going to get back in it. How many know what I'm talking about? You get up on Sunday. I ain't even making it. Why? Because after lunch, I'm coming back and I'm crawling back in you, baby. So now how many know what a Sunday bed is? You know what that is? Some of y'all are like, in the bed eating Sundays? I got that. I'm down with it. No. Just leave it unmade because that whole deal. And so Jesus says, look, I want you to make your bed and then take your bed, all right? I don't want you to have a temptation to come back. Because I promise you there's going to be a time in your healing process that you're going to think, man, it would be easier to go back and lay down on that bed. But Jesus commanded him to take up his bed so that he could realize that his healing was permanent. Other people at the pool may have come just for sore muscles, but yours is going to be permanent, buddy, and you're not going to have to come back to this thing. The ability that Jesus had was not for him just to, but to rise, but for him to take up his bed. Let me say something to you. The healings of Jesus are perfect. They don't just give a temporary relief. They're perfect. They're permanent. That's how Jesus heals. Get up. Pick up your mat. And number three, walk. After we get up, we must be willing to walk. How many have ever had something happen to you and you just got fired up about it? Maybe it was a, something in your work or in your relationship or even in church. It's like, whoa, come on, let's go. And you do that. Oh, yeah. You stand up. Whoo. That rush of blood. What was I thinking? Did I just give my heart to the Lord? Oh, Lord, just what I do. Did I just say that? See, it's not enough for us to get up. Because all of us have that thing. We can jump up and go, yes. He said, I want you to get up. I want you to take up your bed. I want you to get to walking. So we talked about why we don't get up. Let me talk for a few minutes as I close on why we don't walk. First of all, would be our fear of failure. The fact that we're afraid, well, what if it doesn't work? What if I only have enough strength just to get up? What if there's not enough strength for me to actually take a step? What if I fall? Well, my, my thought behind that is falling is better than never walking. So you can stay the way you are, that's fine. Or you can get up and have a step of faith that you do this thing right here. Second would be our fear of the future. What does this mean now? What if, what if I do make that step and break up with them? What if I do make that step and say, will you marry me? Congratulations, by the way. Just raise your hand right now up high. Just raise that left hand high. That bling bling, yeah. What if, what, if, what, if I do, what if I do ask her? What if she doesn't say yes? Or what if I break up with them and, and then everything changes? Or what if I quit that job? Or what if I accept that job? Or what if, what if, you see what I'm saying? What if I stand up and then I have to take a step? And, and what we always, I think what I always used to forget about is that this guy has been this way for 38 years. His life is getting ready to change. Everything's getting ready to turn upside down for him. He's going to have to, Walk places instead of being carried places. 
He's going to have to cook for him stuff instead of people bringing him food. He's going to have to get a job. Think about that. Hey, standing in the unemployment line. Hey, weren't you the guy that got healed yesterday? Yeah, what you doing? Burn my bed up. Got to get a job. See, I think sometimes we forget that the healing, the salvation, the thing that God, the work that God wants to do in our life is going then to require us to walk that thing out. Get up, take up your bed, and start walking. And the reason you've got to start walking is because there are going to be times that you're going to long for that bed again. I'm going to tell you right now. Those of you that battle with addictions, listen to me. God can set you free. There's going to be times in your walk that you're going to wish you were back on that bed. There are going to be those times that, man, that would just be easier if I just laid back down. Those of you that are deal with depression, I'm going to tell you right now, I've dealt with it before. Never thought I would ever deal with it in my life, but I did. And I will say to you, there are days that being depressed felt good. Because I just pull that cloak of depression over me. You know, that sadness over me. How many know what I'm talking about? Have a little pity party. Just sink back into it. Sometimes when you're walking through stuff, you're going you're gonna to feel like, man, this relationship would just be easier if I just went back and laid down the way I was. How many have ever said that before? Now, wouldn't that be dumb, this paralytic guy laying on a mat just fully well? But I'm looking at some of us right now that God has healed you. He has set you free. He has delivered you. But you find yourself back to that mat again, trying to get back on it. And God is saying, I want you to take up that mat and I want you to get to walking. Just start walking. But I don't know where I'm going. That's the whole point of a walk of faith. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says we walk by faith and not by sight. I don't understand it. I don't see it. That's the point of faith. Look at me. I've said this before. It ain't faith if you know. That's the point of faith. Well, I just don't know. Now you're walking in faith. What if I step out and there's nothing there? There will be something there. Because you're putting a step. And James 4.17 says, Faith without works is dead. That means this. As soon as you take that faith and you step, you put your foot down, add a step to your faith and watch your faith come to life. Not just, I believe I can get up. I believe I can take my mat. No, I believe I can actually start walking. Walking in faith. Walking in the Spirit. I love that when Galatians 5.25 says, If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. This man for 38 years had been alive, but he hadn't been walking. Do you know anybody that's alive but not walking? Yeah, all the time. We know that. We see people that do that. It is, here's what I love about this. That the One translation says, If we live in the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. That means this. You are not walking by yourself. When you take that step of faith, the Holy Spirit as your comforter and as your guide is going to be walking along beside you. Get up. Take up your bed and get to walking. You stuck? Got a word for you. Get up. Take up your bed Start walking. Say this with me. Every walk begins with a step. So let me ask you, what is your next step? What is it? What is that one act of obedience 
What is the one thing that Jesus has already asked you to do? Look at me. Don't go ahead of that. Because until you're obedient with that one right there, he's not going to help you with anything else. You're never going to go any further. I'm, I imagine this guy would lay on his mat and think about all the things he would do if he was well. It ain't time to think about that stuff. It's time for you right now to think about getting up. Just do that. Get up. Roll your bed up. And then start walking. So what is your next step? No, forget that. What is your now step? A lot of times you talk about the next step. What is your step right now? What is that one thing that you know Jesus has been saying to you? That the Holy Spirit has been speaking to you? That His Word, it's everywhere. And you know it, you know it. You know you got to do it. What is it? Maybe it's walking away from a relationship. Maybe it's saying goodbye to something that is a vice to you. Even while everybody else is doing it, there's something about it that messes you up. What is it? Is it that deeper in relationship with the Lord? Is it beginning a relationship with the Lord? What is it? 